0: It is awesome to see God at work. Avon, we love you guys over there this morning. And I wanna say thank you to every one of you in this room, every one of you online, every one of you at Avon. Faith is contagious. And I have to tell you, uh, as I've been praying for you this morning, just walking out here, just seeing you here ministers to me. And there's something about when you get around other people who love God, it just does something in you. So thank you Uh, from my heart. To you for being here, and uh, thank you for serving one another in your spirit. It is so fun to see God working through all of us as we each just take our next step of faith. Uh, many of you, your step of faith was to serve at Easter, or to invite someone, or to give or pray for Easter. And because of you, God allowed us to share the good news of Jesus uh, with about 12 1,000 people who engaged with the teaching of the Word of God. It's an incredible thing. Uh, But perhaps the biggest highlight is that 187 um, raised their hand, and I got to make eye contact with many who uh, invited Christ to be the the leader of their life and their Savior. So yeah, let's celebrate that. 187 new believers. Praise God. Every one of you who invited and served, that's because of you. If you were here at Easter, you saw the story of John Bowersock, who... Uh, First stepped into this Brownsburg location about 18 months ago, and one step at a time he's been surrendering to God, and it has uh, changed his marriage, it's changed uh, every area of his life. And it was so fun on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, after one of our services, there was a guy in his late 20s who came to the front to get a Bible, because he had raised his hand and prayed to make Christ the leader of his life, and ask God's forgiveness for his sins a new life in Christ. Well, as he's there talking to the pastor, his aunt, or if you prefer aunt, comes up to me and she says, Hey, uh, that's my nephew. I invited him. He's six months sober. And the story we just saw of the other guy, that's pretty much our story. Well, as she's telling me that, I turn around and guess who just happens to be walking up to me? John Bowersock. So I introduce him to this brand new believer. And in my mind, it was just this visual of the links of a chain. Each one of us is a new link when we believe in Jesus. And then his desire is that we'd use our unique gifts and skills and talents and possessions to reach the next person and then the next person. And so I just want to say, way to go, church. You guys are doing what God intends for you to do, which is go and make disciples. So keep it up. Hey, uh, yeah, we can celebrate that. Speaking of making disciples... Uh, If you prayed that prayer last week, and uh, we want to invite you into a group, it's called I'm a Believer. Now, this is a good group for you, even if you have believed in the past, but you've returned. It's essentially answering the question, what does Jesus teach about this new life? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? So uh, you can join that group. It meets during the nine o'clock hour, so you could start next week and then come to the 11 o'clock service. If you wanna be part of that, we'll give you a free copy of a book we've written called Jesus Loves Me, Christian Essentials for the Head and the Heart, and it's a study of the basic teachings of Jesus. So if you wanna be part of that, uh, pull out your phone, go to cp.news, and you can click there on I'm a Believer. Similarly, if you have believed in Jesus, but you've never been baptized as an adult for yourself, your choice, not someone else's, we'll be doing believer baptisms two weeks from today. And uh, same thing, you can go to cp.news, click on baptism, and you can get scheduled for that. So God's on the move. I did notice this last week, a number of you posting on social media our prayer for the month, which is very simple, Lord, grow my faith toward you. So our team put together uh, a a screensaver for your phone. If you want to get this, uh, you can go to cp.news. You can also get this. Download the image if you want to share it on social media, if you want to print it. Next week, I think we'll have a printed bookmark for you as well. This is just our theme for the month, no matter where you are. We're inviting the atheists to pray along with us, because if there's not a God, there's no risk. And we're inviting people who've been believers for 80, 90 years to pray this, because all of us can grow our faith. So this is our theme for the month. And last week, we talked about ugly faith. And I shared with you that my faith really has been an ugly faith, From the beginning, from me being a skeptic, up to this day as a pastor, when God works through me, it's not because my faith is pristine or perfect. It's because God can work with ugly faith. He doesn't need a lot to work with. He just needs a will that says, God, I I choose to believe you. Faith is a feeling, not a choice. I'm going to step out. I'm going to choose to believe what you say, Jesus. I'm going to do what you say and then see what happens in your life. Today, we're gonna kinda carry on that theme and talk about annoying faith. Annoying faith, as in annoyingly persistent. Uh, We all can think of kind of funny times or maybe annoying times when people are persistent. Sometimes it's your children asking for device time. Sometimes it's your pets. Here is my view. Anytime I sit down to put my shoes on, Um, this is what I see. (laughs) Literally, like, I'll sit down to lace up my shoes, and she just comes right between my knees, and she just puts her nose on my nose, and I literally can't even tie my shoes. She just demands 100% attention. This is our dog, Sunny, and, and she's a delight, but she is annoyingly persistent, and it's actually a pretty good visual of what God invites you to be like with him. Um, I joke about her being annoying or my kids if they want something being annoyingly persistent, but obviously I love them and I'm delighted to get to help them and meet their needs. And your father in heaven is the same way toward you. So I want to invite you as you grow your ugly faith or whatever you call your faith, maybe your faith is a lot more pretty than mine, to be annoyingly persistent with God. In fact, there's a demonstration of this in the physical world, and the nerds are going to rejoice for a minute while I talk about a principle in physics called geometric growth. Uh, But probably to best understand it, I'm going to show you a video that demonstrates it. I want you to see as this chain starts with a little five-millimeter piece, that's half of a centimeter, and, and it sets in motion much larger things that this is what God wants to do if you'll bring him the ugliest, the smallest amount of faith, and keep bringing him that kind of faith. Look what could happen in your life if you'll keep bringing God your faith. Go ahead and take a look. Everybody knows about playing with dominoes, but what you may not know is that a domino can knock over another domino, which is about one and a half times larger. So what I have here is a chain of dominoes. Each one is one and a half times larger than the previous one and the smallest domino is about five millimeters high and one millimeter thick and I will carefully place it. And there are thirteen dominoes and the largest domino, it weighs about a hundred pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. That was 13 dominoes. If I had 29 dominoes, the last domino would be as tall as the Empire State Building. That's the way God designed our physical world. It doesn't take much to start a chain reaction. I love that in the physical world, each next domino can be one and a half times the size, 150%. And here's where I want to invite you as you continue praying this simple prayer, Lord, grow my faith. Uh, Some of you, you started last week with that little five millimeter domino. And I want to invite you, keep showing up here each weekend, keep praying this prayer, Lord, grow my faith. Others of you, you have walked with God and you have literally seen him move mountains. You've seen him free you or others from addiction. You've seen him heal people physically. You've seen him provide buildings like this, where this used to be a cornfield, but this was built by the faith of believers. And yet, from now till the day we meet Jesus in heaven, God wants to keep doing bigger things in us and through us. And so my challenge to you very simply is to keep joining me with a very simple heart that says, Lord, grow my faith. Some of you, you've seen God work in big ways in the past, but it's been a while since you've really brought some pure, unabashed, radical faith to God. So we're going to keep praying this simple prayer to change your life. And I'm going to put it back up on the screen. We're going to do this every week here in April. And I want to encourage you to be praying this, uh, you know, Monday through Saturday between services. I'm going to count to three. We're going to read it out loud, the part that is in quotes there. But first, would you prepare your heart? No matter where you're at, the little five millimeter domino, or you've seen God do big things, join me in praying this prayer out loud to the creator of the universe. Let's do this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Lord, grow my faith toward you. That is a prayer that God will answer. I want to ask as we think about faith today, what is the unmet hunger in your life right now? Where is the pressing need in your life right now? In a room this size, a movement our size, there are hundreds of different needs. For some of you, it's a wayward child. For some of you, it's a broken marriage. For some of you, it's a barrier in your job. For some of you, it's cancer treatment or some other sickness. I think back on my journey as a follower of Jesus, and I can think of just dozens of times where in my emotions, it just seemed like there was no way forward. The unmet need was so significant, or the barrier was so um, severe, it just seemed like there was no way forward. Uh, And yet, every time that I've continued to seek God, I've seen Him work. Sometimes in my circumstances, sometimes in me, and then increasingly now, as I surrender my life to Him, Him working through me to help others. And God wants to do all these things in your life as well. I remember in my 20s when Jesus had really gotten a hold of my heart and I was surrendering my career as a journalist and saying, God, however you want to use me. And I had this strong desire for a spouse, for a life partner. And as I dated different girls my age there in Scottsdale, Arizona, just none of them had that heart for God that I knew. I didn't know where God was going to take me, but I knew it would need to be someone who was willing to go anywhere. To follow Jesus. I remember so many nights that I would drive my car up the side of a mountain there in Phoenix and look down on the city lights because it was always warm at night, and I would just sit there and pray. And there there were months and there were years where it just seemed like, is this ever going to happen? What's that unmet desire for you? Or, Or what is the barrier, the pressing need in your life? Can you relate to that feeling at all? Obviously, God did bring Melanie into my life, and she's a perfect partner for me in ministry and in life. And we have such a beautiful marriage, but I also remember a season a few years in where the two of us, you know, opposites attract. And uh, if you haven't, you know, yet dated or been married, here's a heads up. Opposites attract, and uh, those things that are different from you are so cute and fun while you're dating, and then you get married, and after a couple years, you're like, why in the world do they do that? <laughs> and I remember a season then, even Mel, as Mel and I were doing our best to serve Jesus, that it was like, God, unless you do something in me and do something in her, if, unless you do something in our marriage, boy, us being committed to spend the rest of our lives together is not going to be delightful. <laughs> and I, re, I remember, I can joke about it now, but I remember it, it being a real pain point for both of us, and an unmet hunger to have the kind of marriage God wanted, and it required an annoying persistence for us to just keep seeking God, and both of us to say, change whatever you need to change in me. We've been through miscarriages, and ectopic pregnancies, and an international adoption that uh, took about three years, and at any time in that process, we'd get calls that said the whole thing fell apart, and then a week later, oh, it's back together, so many things in life that looked impossible. And I just want to ask where you have a pressing need or an unmet hunger, first, would you identify what that is? And then we're going to look into the word of God today to answer this question. What does God want? What does God want for you in that area of your life where there's a pressing need or an unmet hunger? Would you by faith right now just identify one thing in your life that you wanna see, you wanna know God's answer to this question. And as you do that, let's look into his word. We're gonna pick up in Matthew 8. And it says this, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Now Jesus has just preached a pretty well-known sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Many, many people are there, they're crowded around Jesus. And it turns out that kind of hiding in the shadows was a guy with a really unmet need uh, and a lot of pain in his life. A guy who had uh, a skin disease, which at the time was called leprosy. And in this culture, what it meant was that he wasn't allowed to eat dinner with his family. He was ostracized. He wasn't allowed to go to the normal religious celebrations. He couldn't even just go go to the market to shop. He was a complete social outcast. Obviously, there's physical pain as well with having leprosy. And he's heard this sermon of Jesus where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's heard Jesus say, Don't worry about your clothes and what you wear. Worry about the eternal things, and God will give you the clothes that you need. And as Jesus is making his way down the mountainside, verse 2, Suddenly this man with leprosy approached him. So. He, he pursues Jesus. This is part of what faith looks like. It's one of your chain of, of dominoes, is that you pursue him. And you're doing that right now over at Avon, online, here in this room. You are seeking God, that's why you're here. And then he kneels before him, so there's a humility. This says, God, there's problems in my life that I can't fix. And Jesus, I believe you're God, and I'm kneeling before you. And then here's faith. He says, Lord, if you are willing, If you desire it, I know that you can heal me. Physically, you can fix what's broken with me, and you can clean me so that I'm able to, you know, have my relational longings fulfilled again. So how does Jesus, who is God, respond when you bring him pain like this? Verse three, Jesus reached out, And touched him. Now keep in mind, this man had not been touched by a healthy person in in many years. And can you imagine in that moment just the the feeling of a human touch? But then even more importantly, Jesus says, I am willing. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. I want to focus on those three words, I am willing to. Another way to translate the original language there is Jesus says, I want to. And, and I want you to know for the area of your life that is broken, that God wants to work in that area. The, the unchanging character and nature of God is that he wants to help you. He wants to do miracles in your life. And I just wonder if you would take a step of faith to believe that God wants to fix what's broken in you, or to provide what's missing for you. Now, I've prayed a lot about this series because most of you probably have some experience with churches talking about miracles, and the vast majority of churches in America right now are one of two extremes. Um, The one extreme says, um, God does miracles all the time. All you have to do is have enough faith. If you have enough faith, it's guaranteed to happen. Therefore, if it didn't happen, it's because you don't have enough faith. Uh, And that's not the whole counsel of God. That's a a well-intentioned belief, but it puts more emphasis on our faith than on God's sovereignty. He's in charge of everything. He can do whatever He wants. So that's one extreme. Now, the other extreme over here, the theological term is called cessationist, and it means miracles have ceased. God doesn't do them anymore. So don't even bother praying for a miracle. Just, you know, pray for the strength to make it through and, you know, you'll get to heaven and then everything will be cleaned up. But don't expect any miracles in this life. Most churches are one of these two extremes, or most Bible teaching is right now. And the reality when I study scripture as well as what I've experienced as a follower of Jesus is that there, there is a middle area. God does want to do miracles. We aren't God, so we don't get to tell him what miracle to do. Sometimes the miracle he does in us is a lot more significant than what we want him to do for us but I have seen God heal a person who had tumors and went in for their next treatment. And the MRI scan showed the tumors are all gone. I've seen God uh, heal things in me that I know only God could change. I've seen God heal during COVID. We had uh, multiple people that we prayed for who were on their deathbed and the doctors said, every one of their organs, they're all shutting down one by one, it's over. And we prayed as a church. Uh, and there's two or three different specific people that God brought them back to life. And now you'll see them walking around here smiling. So I've seen God do miracles. Uh, but the, the point is this, God wants to meet your deepest need. And, and sometimes we're so fixated on the physical expression of that need that we miss what he wants to do in the internal. But God still can do miracles, And as we're praying, God, grow my faith, wherever you come from, whatever background you are, just ask God this month, say, grow my faith. You don't have to worry about your neighbor's faith. You have to worry about, you know, oh man, maybe they have too much faith. Well, I don't think that's a thing, okay? Don't worry about them. Worry about you. Because God loves annoyingly persistent faith. I could give you about 50 separate Bible verses and passages about this, where he says, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Be like a person who just keeps knocking on their neighbor's door in the middle of the night until their neighbor opens the door. Be like a woman who got an unjust ruling from a judge, and so she just starts to follow him around and pester him until he finally says, okay, you can have your way. Jesus says over and over, be annoyingly persistent in your faith, and part of this is a faith that says, God. Um, when it's the years that I'm waiting for you to provide my spouse or the years that I'm waiting for my healing or or the years that I'm waiting for you to heal my marriage or bring back that wayward child, I'm going to show my faith by continuing to be persistent. Be like my little puppy, Sonny. Just every morning when God goes to put his shoes on, just be right there. Be, Be like that. And have a faith that he knows what's best. And here's the real kicker. In your heart, believe that he wants to do what's best. And if you're not yet immediately getting what you're praying for, believe that he still is in the process of doing a miracle, perhaps in you, before he does the miracle for you. Uh, out in our lobby, you'll see this, this wall that says he will do miracles There are red Sharpies out there. We've got a similar display at Avon. And I'd invite you on your way out today to write down a miracle that you're praying that God would do. At the end of our service today, just so you know and it doesn't surprise you, we're going to have pastors at the front. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to see God do a miracle in your life, to come forward and ask for God to heal physical sickness or whatever it is that's in your life. Because we believe God can and does still do miracles. How can you see God do miracles in your life? Well, we saw it in the story we just looked at, and here's a good summary. Humble faith in action unlocks the miracles that God wants to do. There's a lot packed in there. God wants to do miracles in your life. Now the one that that you most want might be the next one he wants to do, or it might be the fifth domino down but you come to him with a faith that believes he knows what's best, that's what a humble faith is. God, you're God, I'm not. I'm gonna humble myself before you. That leper said, Lord, and that's the word for master, God. He didn't say, teacher, I believe you can do it. He said, Jesus, you're God. So come to Jesus as God. Say, I surrender my life. You see what I don't see, you know what I actually need. I kneel before you spiritually, I humble myself before you. Whatever steps you show me to take, I will have faith in action, and it will unlock the miracles that God is eager to do in you. Well, what does this look like? We've seen one example. There are about 12 examples here in just two chapters of Matthew's gospel. And I'm going to give you a flyover of a few of them. Now, you might recall there are four different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Three of these are direct eyewitness accounts from disciples who walked with Jesus, uh, Matthew, Mark, and John. Luke's account is really the eyewitness account of Peter. Peter was friends with Luke, and Luke was not one of the 12 disciples, but Peter kind of verbally dictates to Luke, and Luke writes down his gospel. So if you think of a car accident in the middle of an intersection, and you've got four people on each corner, and afterwards you interview each of them what happened, you're going to get four different points of view on one singular truth. And that's what we have in the Gospels. So here's Matthew, one of the 12 disciples. And just within two chapters, Matthew gives this barrage. It's like boom, 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 boom of miracles. In fact, there's more than 12 of them. Here's the list. And I've broken it into three categories as I've studied this. We're not going to go through all of these, okay? But I noticed that there are miracles God does in people. There are miracles that God does for people. And then there are miracles that God does through people. Now, sometimes, as you see, some of these have more than one check mark. Sometimes it's a miracle in a person and for them, just like the leper, right? He was cleansed and he was healed physically. It was in him and it was for him. And what we're going to do these next weeks of April is today we're going to focus on the miracles God wants to do in you. And we're going to start praying by faith for the miracles he wants to do for you. And then we'll conclude the last week of April with the things God wants to do through you. And I think that's a natural growth as you follow Jesus. It starts with him meeting your needs. And then as he meets your needs, he uses you to meet the needs of others. That's my biggest prayer for that miracle wall that I'll be writing on there with the red Sharpie, is I'm praying for our next location. Because I look at Avon, started one year ago with about 75 people from here stepping out, and it had 430 people a year later. Real people who need Jesus. And this is what, I'm, what we're giving our lives for. So I'm praying, Lord, bring us the next location in your time, in your way. We don't want to get ahead of you, but we don't want to fall behind you. Now let's talk about annoyingly persistent faith for whatever it is that you want to see God work in in your life. In Matthew 9, verse 18, as Jesus was saying this. So I want to point something out. The leper approached Jesus. Jesus is walking down a mountainside. There's a whole mob of people with him, and he interrupts. So another title for today's message could be interrupting faith. You ever heard the old knock-knock joke? Knock-knock. Moo. Moo who? Interrupting cow. Okay. Interrupting cow. Do you get it? I said moo before you, okay. That's one from my daughters. All right. Interrupting faith. Jesus wants you to interrupt him. Interrupt him. As Jesus was saying this, so this is a chapter later, Jesus is actually in the middle of saying something pretty significant. The leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. You see some themes? Pursued him, knelt before him, interrupted him. My daughter has just died, he said. But you can bring her back to life. I believe you can do this if you just come to my house and lay your hand on her. Look how Jesus responds, verse 19. I love the simplicity of this. So Jesus got up and went with him. Jesus was in the middle of a pretty important speech. And, and this guy interrupts, and Jesus gets up and he goes with him. Jesus goes where he 's wanted. I mean he's God, He can go wherever he wants, but as he interacts with us, God tends to come where he's invited. and I don 't have time to unpack it, but there's another example in these two chapters where a town says to Jesus, "Whoa, we don't want you here." And so it says he got in the boat and went to the other side of the lake so In your heart, are you saying, whoa, whoa, Jesus, I don't know. Or are you saying, Jesus, I want you to work in my life. Here's how he responds when you tell him you want him to work. He gets up and he goes with this guy. But then, interrupting faith, verse 20, just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind Jesus We know from one of the other Gospels, there's a big crowd. Everyone's pushing, and Jesus and his disciples, they're making their way. The whole city has come out to see them. And so lots of people are touching Jesus, but she touches Jesus with a faith, with a belief that he could heal this medical condition that no doctor had been able to heal. And she touched the fringe of his robe, thinking, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus feels that touch, and he stops. And I'm going to show you in just a moment what he says to her, but I want you to think about your life. The leper interrupted. The dad interrupted. The woman interrupted. Have you ever interrupted God? Have you ever been persistent enough to say, God, I really want to see you work in this thing. I really want to see you change me. I really want to see you expand your work in my family. Lord, free me. From this sin. Free my child from that sin. Bring back this wayward person. And I'm going to interrupt you, God, until you do it. What all three of these people so far have done is they've pushed through barriers. Physical people were their barrier. For us, sometimes the barrier is busyness. I can't tell you the number of uh, families I've seen where they'll be here on Easter or Christmas and God will work in their hearts and there will be tears, but then between the soccer schedule and the baseball schedule and the softball schedule and the gymnastic schedule and the volleyball schedule and the marching band schedule, and those things aren't bad, but those things they prioritize above being in the presence of God. And where God started a chain reaction of miracles, they stop it because they just stop showing up. They stop bringing the faith. That's a barrier. That's a very real barrier in suburban America life. You know what another barrier is? The barrier of time. God stands outside of time. He's not limited by time. He knows how He's going to solve your problem already, but a lot of times we give up in the waiting. That's a barrier that maybe you've had faith in the past, but it hasn't happened immediately. And you now, in this series, God's teaching you push through that barrier. Back in January, we did a sermon on prayer. And I shared with you that my verse for this year is John 15, verse 7, where Jesus says this, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's a lot of theology in that verse because if we're remaining in him, what we wish for is going to be shaped by him. There's also theology in that verse that remaining requires time, doesn't it? You can't abide without the ingredient of time. But I shared in January that this last year as I've been asking God to grow my faith, and as I've been making this prayer my life prayer, I have seen God just answer prayer after prayer after prayer. And most of them have been for this movement and for people in our movement, but some of them have been for myself, for my family. And I encouraged you guys back in January, many of you have told me you you wrote down your prayers on this piece of paper that we handed out. Many of you still have that up at your bathroom sink or in your car, or some of you did, and maybe you just about moved it with spring cleaning. Push through the barrier of time with an annoyingly persistent faith that keeps praying and keeps believing well for this woman verse 22 jesus turns around and i love this when he saw her he said daughter it's a very strange thing to say because they've never met before and yet he's her creator he knew her before she was formed in her mother's womb he he selected the texture of her hair the tone of her voice and she sees this teacher prophet who's maybe god who could maybe heal her and she's desperate enough that she pushes through the crowd and she grabs onto his robe in faith believing that just being near to him could heal her and when he locks eyes on her and she's wondering oh no you know in a culture and a society where that broke a lot of rules what's he gonna say and the first word is daughter the, this word in the original language is a very affectionate father-daughter familial word. And then, what does he say next? Be encouraged. Do you see the heart of God for you? If you'll be annoyingly persistent in bringing Him what you want Him to do in you, what you want Him to do for you, what you want Him to do through you, and you have moments where you think, "Oh no, maybe my faith isn't good enough. Maybe I this. Maybe I that." But but you are annoyingly persistent. How does he look upon you, daughter, son? Be encouraged. I I know what you're going through. I know that this world's broken by sin. I saw what happened to you as a child. I see what you're struggling with. I see the good in you. I see the pain in you. I know the worst things about you, and I love you as you are, and I want to work in your life. Be encouraged. And then with just the smallest amount of faith, he says, your faith, she had a small amount of faith. He says, your faith has made you well. And at that moment, the woman was healed. I categorize this one as both a miracle in and for, because that whole idea of daughter and her getting her identity was a miracle that needed to happen in her because she had been socially rejected. Um, If you can imagine what that condition would have been like with the kind of medical care and things they had at that time, there were probably a lot of nasty things that were said to her along the way. And Jesus knows, well, I could heal her physically immediately, but if that happens and what's broken inside of her isn't addressed, she won't get the real miracle that she needs. So he starts with the most important, the internal, the spiritual the healing that only God could do. And then he gives the physical healing as well. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray this way, our father in heaven. And I believe one of the reasons, many reasons why he taught us to every day center ourselves under a good, good father is that he knew we all grew up with broken families in a broken world. And this reality that because of Adam and Eve's sin, and we've all been separated from God spiritually, until we come to Jesus, we have an orphan spirit. And you could have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. You could hit all your life goals. You could have, you know, people loving you and giving you accolades. and Whatever it is that you yearn for externally, you can have all of that. And if your orphan spirit hasn't been healed... You're still going to feel incomplete. You're still going to feel broken. You're still going to feel like, man, nine houses isn't enough houses for me to feel at home. That's the human condition. And what Jesus is showing us in these miracles is that his kingdom is a place, yes, where physical things are healed, but much more where our greater needs are healed. You can move from an orphan spirit to an adopted spirit of knowing every day I am a child of a good father. I'm an heir to the greatest fortune in human history. I was designed by a master artist engineer to perform amazing things for him in this world. I'm beautiful in his eyes. I'm innocent in his eyes. I'm loved. I'm wanted. I'm invited. You can wake up every day knowing that. And that's what Jesus, that's a miracle he wants to do in you while you're waiting for him to do the miracle through you. Here's a picture of my uh, middle child, Zoe. This was a few years ago when we were out in California. It was a ropes course. And um, I was walking right behind Zoe, but she didn't, you know, she was still afraid. And I think it's this great picture of our life as we walk by faith. Each new step of faith, it's scary. It looks like you could fall. But your father is with you. And he's whispering into your ear if you listen. And he's holding you even if you don't feel it. Well, Jesus continues on. He raises that girl from the dead. And I'm going to skip back earlier in the chapter to another story that shows us these same themes. Matthew 9, verse 2. Some people brought to Jesus a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, Matthew's pretty to the point. That's all he gives us. But we know from some of the other gospel writers that this was a real pursuit because Jesus was teaching in a house. It's packed full of people. These friends and the paralyzed guy, they want to get to Jesus, but they can't get in through the crowd. Maybe you've heard the story. These guys go up on the flat roof and they start to pull apart the thatching. So Jesus is teaching and clumps of of mud are falling down, you know, of this kind of dried mud that they used as a mortar. And then all of a sudden, a burst of sunlight comes through, and then down comes a man on a stretcher. And I love this, seeing their faith, plural. So the man on the stretcher had faith. His friends had faith. And every one of these people, their faith, we're told, is kind of like, well, hopefully if we can get to Jesus, maybe he can do this. We know he can, maybe he will. And it's not a perfect faith, but it's a faith in action. And what does Jesus say to this man who's been paralyzed for years, very similar to what he said to the woman with the bleeding issue. He says, be encouraged, my child. This is the heart of God toward you. Be encouraged, my child. Don't give up in your pain. Don't give up in your suffering. Don't give up with your unmet hungers. Don't give up where there are barriers. Be encouraged, my child. And now imagine, here's the, this kind of stretcher thing, lowered down from the roof. Jesus is sitting, teaching. That's how rabbis taught. The house is packed with people. Jesus looks at him, sees his faith. Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Period. It stops there. Now, if you're the paralyzed guy, what are you thinking? I know what I'd be thinking. What about my legs? Right? There's a a real tension in this story that we could could read right over. What about my legs? I didn't really come to you for my sins. I came to you so I could walk. Jesus is making a point here. The miracle that God wants to do in you spiritually Far exceeds the miracle that you want him to do for you materially. Doesn't mean the material matter doesn't, uh, world doesn't matter. It does matter, but in Jesus' economy, which is the true economy, the spiritual is far more important than the material. Why is this? Because being an all-wise God, He knows the next ten thousand years of your existence. And so he says, given one of two options, let's say um, you're healed of all your physical sickness, but you still die in 15, 20, 30, 100 years, right? Every one of these people Jesus healed physically, they still died. The little girl he raised from the dead, she died. Lazarus, who he raised from the dead, died. Why? Because this world is not heaven. This world is uh, contaminated by sin, To such an extent that Jesus said, my plan is to create a new heaven and a new earth and all who believe in me will go with me there. And there will be no sickness, there will be no mourning, there will be no tears, there will be no death. So if you had to pick between you never get sick from now till age 95, but you die at age 95 and then you're separated from God and 10,000 years from now you're still separated from God or you go through sickness in this life like all of us but when you wake up in heaven everything is fully healed and and you're able to run and jump and eat great food with your friends and worship God and experience new pleasure and 200 years later you're still doing that and 10,000 years later you're still doing that and 80,000 years later which of the two would you pick? And Jesus knows that most of us would pick just heal me now. <laughs> and so he gives us some of these examples that say I can heal you now. Sometimes I do. But I want you to understand that the miracle I want to do in you spiritually, adopt you into the family of God, give you eternal life, give you an identity in this life, that is actually the bigger miracle. So this month of April, we're asking God for both, right? Like God, do both. Heal physical sickness and disease in our church give sight to the blind, do miracles that would bring glory to the Father and build the faith of people. But Lord, if we could only have one or the other, we trust you, Jesus, that you know which one we most need. Now, here's what's interesting is this story continues in Matthew 9. Jesus is gonna heal the guy, but it's actually in response to the unbelief of the Pharisees and the religious people. It's, It's not, in other words, The physical healing is the lesser miracle. The spiritual healing is the greater miracle. That's why he does it first. After the religious people complain to themselves, well, who's this guy who says he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knows they're thinking this. And so he says, okay, you you believe only God can forgive sins. I'll prove to you that as the son of man, that's why his title for himself, I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. So this guy does get his physical healing and God has a purpose for it that these onlookers who are doubting, okay, he's a prophet, he's a teacher. Okay, we've seen him do some things, but he's not God. He's bringing glory to the father and demonstrating the nature of God through this miracle. So the miracles that are for us, are usually for more people than just us. If God chooses to do a miracle in the material world, it's often to bring glory to himself, to point out to people that he's real, that he's there, and to show the doubters stop doubting. Now what we've seen in every one of these stories, the leper, the dad whose daughter had died, the woman, and this paralyzed man, is that your pain is your greatest opportunity to experience Jesus for who he is. And so this theme of Jesus goes where he's invited. He responds when he's invited. Have you invited him into the most painful parts of your life? Where there's been abuse, where there's been injustice, where 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 you have had physical maybe a physical condition since your childhood, have you invited him in? to speak those words be encouraged daughter child of mine be encouraged i love you and i'm going to work in you and i'm going to work for you bring me a persistent faith verse 7 and the man jumped up and went home now earlier i showed you the the little dominoes the geometric growth and he said if you just had 29 from five millimeters 29 dominoes later Would be the size of the empire state building and i know some of you doubt that so i want to show you this is not cgi this is real life obviously it doesn't get as tall as the empire state building but i want to show you that that this continues and the laws of physics it would continue on infinitely larger take a look at this next fall of dominoes what god wants to do as your faith grows and grows There are things God wants to knock down in your life. The gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. There are things God is waiting to do in central Indiana. Things he's waiting to do in you. You've seen him work in all these other areas of your life, but there's this one big barrier. You think God could never move that mountain. Oh, he can. All you got to do is bring him five millimeters of ugly but persistent faith. If you study these two chapters, you're gonna see Jesus does miracles for every social class, for people with disabilities, for both genders, for religious people, and for overt sinners. He's eager to help them all. He doesn't turn anyone away. He responds to anyone who pursues him persistently, who kneels reverently, and who says with faith, God, only you could do this, and I believe you can. Will you do this for me?" Push past the barrier of time. Push past the barrier of unbelief. Push past the barrier of your doubts. How can you be certain to see a miracle? Humble faith in action has these steps. For those of you who like to take pictures or write these things down, it invites Jesus to help. It pushes past barriers. It takes risk. Every one of these people took a risk. You want to see god move mountains you're gonna have to step out you're gonna have to take some risk and it believes jesus will help he wants to help wrapping up with this last miracle in matthew 9 as jesus was walking along he saw a man named matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth you might notice this is the gospel of matthew so matthew's describing his own interaction with jesus follow me and be my disciple Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. You might say, I thought this was two chapters about miracles, like dead people are being raised, demons are being cast out, blind people are given sight. How is this a miracle? (laughs) That's Matthew's point. Matthew knew his own heart. And I believe Matthew's saying by the way he ordered this, this is the biggest miracle of them all. Because you see, the rabbi teachers like Jesus, they would pick the Ivy League, the kids who got the great SAT scores. Jesus picked blue-collar fishermen. Now he picks a white-collar criminal. Matthew, unlike the disciples, he's educated, he's smart, and he's known for defrauding people. In fact, the pen that he used to write this book of the Bible, that same penmanship is the writing he would say, your tax bill is 20% more than what the Roman government wants and I'm taking the rest and there's nothing you can do about it. Matthew was hated by the religious people. He was known as a liar and a cheat, white collar, educated criminal. And then here comes God, And he says, follow me. (laughs) What, me? Be my disciple. You know what that means? Leave your lucrative career. Give up something that you're unwilling to give up and you'll see me do miracles in you and through you. I've got a friend who has businesses all, all around the world He told me the other day, John, uh, there's something I've noticed from the poorest family in Vietnam and Cambodia, where they have a little one room shack with one water spigot in the middle to a typical suburban American family. Here's what every family wants, a little bit bigger house, a little bit better education for their kids and a little bit nicer vacation. And of seven and a half billion people in the world, I just make my money knowing all all of them just want those three things. And they always will, no matter how much they get. One of your barriers living in America, in the suburbs, is the golden handcuffs of prosperity that, you know what, guess what? If you keep working hard, you always can get a little nicer house. You can get a little nicer vacation. You can get a little better education for your kids. And those things aren't wrong. But those things aren't going to meet your deepest inner need. And Matthew is in a career, a lucrative career, where he doesn't need God. And in that moment when Jesus called to him, and he says, there's something here that money can't buy, the greatest miracle happens, the internal miracle. Verse 10, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and disreputable sinners that's a great life verse disreputable sinners when the pharisees the religious people saw this they asked his disciples why does Jesus eat with such scum when Jesus heard this he said healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do And they might have been thinking, well, we're not the sick people because we're the religious ones. But then he says this, actually, religious ones, you are the sick people. Look at verse 13. I have come to call not those who think they're good enough. I've come to call those who know that they're sinners. Those who know that they need a miracle in them, not just for them. I'll close with a true story of a dear friend of mine, Dan Rydberg. Dan spent his adult life as a functioning alcoholic. Church very similar to ours in Minnesota. He came in and slowly he learned about Jesus. He placed his faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of his sins and the biggest miracle that could happen happened. Dan was financially successful. He gave his life to Christ. He starts prioritizing Christ. He kept doing his career but he started serving more and more and more in the church and yet, after three years of being a believer, he was still an alcoholic. He'd been going to meetings that say, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And I I get that that's a safe thing to say, but Dan needed an encounter with God that changed his identity to say, alcoholic is not what defines me, child of God is what defines me. And of course, I'm gonna stay away from it because it's dangerous for me, but who I am is not an alcoholic, who I am is a child of God. And the reason I wanna tell you Dan's story is that it's not the day of his salvation, he wasn't immediately delivered from that addiction and that sin. It wasn't day one, it was year three. But Dan kept bringing his next domino. He just kept the next thing Jesus says, the next thing Jesus says, he kept bringing it. And after about three years, Dan was serving in his local church and, and he heard, I can't use you like this. I love you no matter what, but I want to do big things through you. And in that moment, Dan said, Father, I surrender, and I know you can heal me from this. And that was about 20 years ago. He hasn't had a drink of alcohol since then, in 20 years. So Dan had a miraculous physical healing for him about three years after the healing started in him. And my point is this. Sometimes the order switches, Surrender the order to God, but bring him your pain. Bring him whatever's broken in you and see what he'll do through you. What is your miracle? What are you gonna ask God this month of April to do? I'm praying for our our next location, for our our next uh, expression of connection point. You pray for whatever's on your heart, whatever God wants to do in you, for you, through you. As we close today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to step out in faith and have someone pray for you. You may need healing physically, you may need prayer for a relationship, you may need healing in your finances or a job situation. Whatever it is, God is in the healing business. Uh, And in fact, as we all stand right now, I'm gonna invite those who are helping with our prayer time to come on down front. And here's how this is gonna work. I'm gonna pray and dismiss you in just a moment. When I dismiss, if you want to pray today for a healing or a miracle, just come forward to one of these prayer partners, and you don't have to tell them a long story. Just say very simply, I need help in my finances, or I need healing in my marriage, or I need healing from COPD, or this chronic illness. Just take a step of faith today. We're doing this because as I prayed on these, these stories, they all physically move toward Jesus. And I just want to give you a chance to move toward him today. We pray this right now for you, Father, in this place, Jesus, it's you that we lift high. You are the head of this church. We don't glorify or exalt our faith or our understanding. We glorify and exalt you. Father, we pray that you would bring great glory to your name by doing the miracles that you desire in every one of us, for every one of us, through Every one of us. God, do the miracle that you did for Matthew in our hearts, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That we would take risks to grow our faith. And Lord, as as some people today choose to come forward for prayer, I pray that you will do miracles in and for us for the glory of your name and the expansion of your kingdom. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that. And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us, and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.